Welcome to the Box Office Bears movie podcast featuring Jacob Erinsberger and Nick Shawley. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> All Hello. right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the pilot episode of the Box Office Bears movie podcast. It, it's a long time coming. Oh, my, Jacob. Yes, it is. Yes, it is a long time coming. And boy, do we have a treat for everyone tonight. Oh, God, this movie has been on our minds for ages. <laughs> Since we first saw it in theaters back in summer, it has been of a constant discussion when we are together. Especially a particular part of the movie that has never left our minds since. <laughs> that attic, you know, up in the attic. Oh yeah, that, that attic. That, that attic will leave you thinking for a while. <laughs> All right. All right, now let's get down into the down and dirty. Now today we're talking about Bo is Afraid, which is directed by Ari Aster and and it features Joaquin Phoenix, Amy Ryan, Nathan Lane, and more people. <laughs> and more people, yes. And 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 other actors, yes. <laughs> oh my Jacob, where do we want to start with this? Where do we want to start with this fine, fine movie? Well, if anyone out there knows of the films that Ari Aster has made before. This is actually my first time seeing Ari Aster's movies. I haven't seen Hereditary nor Midsummer, but I do, I am a, well aware that it tends to really mess with your mind a little. So, like in preparation for this, I was watching some of Ari Aster's interviews and just how he is such an intricate and articulate and intentional filmmaker. Like everything in his movies are detailed and pay attention to such detail. Like everything is there for a purpose. And I'm just going to warn like just everybody, like if you watch this movie, do not try to figure it out. Do not try to piece all of it together because it will make absolutely no sense at all. The more that you try to think about it, the more confused you're going to get. And this movie really suffers from, Jacob, like, I'm sure you agree with me, but, like, this movie really suffers from overanalyzing. Like, so many people have analyzed this movie that it is, it, it's just so crazy to think about, like, how, how bizarre this movie is and, like, how many theories are behind this. So, in this episode, like, our, our pilot episode, I, I, we, I want to try to stay clear of analyzing this movie too deep because I don't want to to just add to that. Like, I really want to just in, uh, allow in, uh, listeners to really enjoy this movie and not, you know, be so picky about, you know, what's going on in it. And just to, and just to preface for, for everyone, this is a three-hour, an almost three-hour-plus movie. <laughs> yeah. So... You're going to be in the in your seat for a while just watching this movie. And this movie is a good example of like a turn your brain off sort of movie because like Nick did did say you don't want to overanalyze it because it will get you more confused. 
And if you try to like break it down as you're watching it, like you're just going to miss details like a lot. Like it's just all over the place. Yeah, exactly. And like, it's, it's such a good movie though. If I were to, to make a movie, I would want to use so much of what Ari Aster does in this movie. Like just the themes and the, like Ari Aster does so many, like just his theme of family horror, like just, especially with hereditary, I am just like you, Jacob, where I have never seen an Ari Aster movie. Like surprisingly, I've always wanted to watch his movies both. Now he doesn't, he has a lot of shorts. Um, I think one was, um, I forget what the one was called, um, but I know he does um, Hereditary, Midsummer, which is pronounced Midsummer, actually, uh, as, as he pronounces it. And Bo is afraid. Um, the strange thing about the Johnsons is one of his first movies. I, I think it, it's a short and it's like just similar to Bo is afraid where there's so many shocking moments, but it's just like this labyrinth of themes and weird, weird stuff that happens that just, you have to it just, you want to piece it all together, but there's so much to it that it's impossible to piece all together without actually being Ari Aster himself. Yeah. Like, Going into this film, like, this is one of the examples of, like, you watch the trailer, and that's about it. Like, you don't know anything else about this movie besides the trailer that you watch. And walking in blind into a movie like this was probably the best choice. Because there there was just so much detail and, like, so, so many things happening in this one movie. Like, it... At the end of the day, like when we walked out of that theater, we were just <laughs> we were blown away, like out of proportions because just, this, it, this movie is just so good. Context. We were about an hour away in a movie theater and we talked about this movie the whole way home. And like not only the whole way home, but like we were, I think, silent for a good maybe 15 minutes after leaving this theater because we were like, um, what did we just watch? What did we just experience? Yeah. Like what did we just witness? Because <laughs> we... there were so many curveballs and so many things that you wouldn't expect when you watch the trailer, like you wouldn't expect certain scenes to happen the way that they happened. Like it's, there's just a lot to it and it's so, it's so good. Yeah, it's it's a movie about a man going to see his mother. <laughs> That's basically just the whole, like, it's just a straight line from, like, his character. Like, there, Bo is is just trying to get to his mother. Like, that's it. And, he's and there's just there's just all these curveballs and all these like obstacles that he has to balance through in order to get back home and see his mom. And he, he's afraid. He's he's afraid. Hence the title, Bo is Afraid. And, like, seeing all these other act- actors and actresses, like, looking back on it, like, 
the person who played uh, Grace, the only times that I've seen her was she played in The Office for a little bit. Yes, yeah. And there is the comedy movie that she was in called Central Intelligence with Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Kevin Hart. And then there's Roger. Amy Ryan. Amy Ryan. I yeah, a- Amy Ryan. That's her name. And Roger, who's played by Nathan Lane. Oh, uh, everyone that man. Every, every, everyone should know him. I mean, he His voice. Oh, that voice just. Uh, he voiced Timon from The Lion King, which is one of my favorite animated movies of all time. And he played in The Birdcage with Robin Williams. I know, <laughs> I know him from Stuart Little. That is the first thing that I watched with Nathan Lane in it. And I just, that voice is such a nostalgic voice. Who, who is he in Stuart Little? <laughs> right. Was he the cat? Yes, he was the cat. I want to say Snowball. Snowbell. Snow- oh, my God. <laughs> oh. I, I, I never knew that. But yes, just, oh. Uh. That voice, just that voice. But he plays an interesting character. Um, and we'll kind of get into what we think these characters mean without analyzing it, without overanalyzing it. Because like I said, we don't want to do that. But what we kind of think these characters mean and who these characters represent and if these characters are even real at all. When I looked at the analysis videos for those afraid, there were some certain theories that kind of correlated and made sense in like looking at the evidence towards the end and looking at like some of the past details, like some parts in the intro, some like towards the middle and just, wow. Like look like watching, <laughs> even watching the movie the second time, like I, I kind of understood it more. It, yes. It, it, it begs reviewing. It, it begs because the first time you see it, you'll have hopefully I, I mean, this movie was, of course, very divisive. Some people you either I think 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 this movie is a masterpiece or you think it's a piece of garbage. There's not really an in between. And like I noticed that the more you analyze it, the more you think that it's a piece of garbage, you know, like that. that's just the rabbit hole you kind of fall down. But like it it it. it it just begs reviewing like it, it begs you to watch it again and try to figure out some so i guess just look for some hidden details in it and that's what i love about it now i'm looking at the reviews for on the website rotten tomatoes for bo is afraid now most of the critics It was a 67% for critics, (laughs) and it was a 71% for audience, but only 250 people or even more viewed it, and it's usually like around the thousand mark. Now, I don't don't understand personally how, like, people can, like, criticize this movie badly, in a sense, because I feel... Like like you mentioned before, I feel like they just overanalyzed it too much.
All right, we're back. <laughs> we experienced some technical difficulties there. Just, 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 uh, just that out. Just, just edit those together. You know, fuse them together. Yeah. <laughs> so what were you? What were you saying, Jacob? I was saying on the the Rotten Tomato scores, uh, it was a sixty. What was it? Sixty. Bear with me for a moment, everyone. It was a 67% for critics and a 71% for audience. I seriously don't understand why there was so much controversy towards this because I feel like, like you mentioned before, people just try to overanalyze it. Yeah, and I'm just on IMDb right now, and there's just uh, a majority of people gave it a 7 Um. And there were a good bit of ones, too, a good bit of ones. But there were a few tens as well. So as we said, this movie is so divisive and uh, it's just you go down a rabbit hole and you get so lost in this movie. It's so easy to get so lost in this movie because there is so much coming at you within one scene. Yeah, like. I mean, there are points in the movie where it feels like a lot, but once you kind of turn your brain off for a little bit, it like it, it's not a lot thrown in at you. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it, it's so counterintuitive because it's like you have to turn your brain off to watch this movie and like just experience this movie. You know, why don't we just start off by the first scene? So the the first scene is just pure darkness and well after like the the introduction you know after the you know the brief um like studio stuff and which we'll kind of get to because there's a cute there's kind of a, a quirky little easter egg there at first but um so like it starts off with this darkness and like just this real dark atmosphere and these like real red and pink colors coming at at you and it turns out to be Bo coming out of the womb out of his mother's womb yeah (laughs) so Bo is born so we have our first scene of Bo is born and we hear uh, you know in our ears we hear you know a lot of water rushing around and you know this fluid <laughs> the birth fluid yeah it you see like a little bit of the light and you can see like the the first person view of Bo being born and and then it just it it cuts to him being older and him in his therapy appointment talking to his therapist about his problems with his mom. And this therapist, um, I'm trying to, I, I want to pull up the guy's name because he was also in Dune and I love his presence. I love his screen presence. Like there's just something about his screen presence that I love. Um, but there's just something so off about it. Like, you know, the, the scene where, you know, the, the door opens and it's in his psychiatrist's office, who's, who's the therapist, of course. And um, he's letting Bo in and Bo is just kind of standing there feeding 
his fish, the therapist fish. Yeah. Like, and then when the therapist, like, starts to talk with him more and he realized, like, some of the meds that he's taking aren't really working, he prescribes him with new medication. And once Bo picks up the new meds, he starts walking back to his place. And then you start to realize, like, his whole environment and the whole background around him is <laughs> shifting from, like, a nice, subtle, like, little suburban town in a way to just, like, a a chaotic, like, apocalyptic, apocalyptic sort of setting. And Bo is just acting all normal and... Like, he's just going on with his day, just walking back home, and it shifts to night, and you see this big tattooed man just <laughs> sprinting right towards Bo, and Bo is just trying to race home, and that that just seems like a regular occurrence with him, too. Like, he knows this is going to happen, and he's just prepared for it at this point. This, yes, these these characters that are on the street um, and it just kind of backing up a little bit, which is something I want to talk about later on is just the theme of water in this movie. And I, I believe that water is, you know, really symbolic of his mom. And, you know, as I mentioned that, you know, them, them birth fluids, um, you know, the, the sound of, you know, water and that, experience of water so because his therapist reminds him do not take these pills without water and you know in Bo's anxious mind let, let me just say that if you have generalized anxiety disorder this movie is going to speak to you this movie is going to speak to you and it is going to really really be be something that is I feel you feel understood when you watch this movie. Like, you know, you just feel this experience of, of that, Hey, this isn't just me. That's, you know, feeling these things and, you know, the, these catastrophes that happen in our minds. And that's something that I think, you know, is parallel to what's happening on the streets, you know, and, and, or in Poe's world, you know, what is really happening is, probably you know yeah there's some shady characters and he lives in a sketchy part of town but is it really as bad as his mind is making it you know he automatically sees this guy racing towards him and Bo has to run to his apartment and hurry up and lock the door and and all this stuff you know but is this is this guy really coming at him and there's a hard line between it's very blurry between fact and fantasy in this movie we don't know what is actually happening truthfully and objectively versus what is happening subjectively within Bo's mind yeah like there's the whole the whole point of this i mean the title of the movie is Bo is afraid and <laughs> the whole fear factor alone like you can tell in Bo there's a lot of fear in him and there's a lot of like anxiousness and anxiety and like he's just worried about the world in general like the world around him especially in this setting and in the in the intro is just like falling apart 
And there are some points where he's calm and collective and he's, he's accepting that this happens. But the majority of like his fear comes like within himself and then what he's exposed to around him. And when he get when he gets back to his apartment, like he gets the phone call. No, he doesn't get the phone call. My bad. That, that, that that's a little bit farther along the lines. But when he needs the water for his meds, like he <laughs> he's all he's all anxious and he really like he starts having panic attacks. Like he really needs to take this water and everything and and like you mentioned like the whole water factor is symbolic because it literally happens like intro like act one act two act three like there's just a lot of liquids happening throughout this movie liquids yes liquids this movie could have been called liquids because but i think that from an analysis that i watched and we'll, we'll provide these analysis videos because uh, I, I want our viewers to explore it a little bit more if they're interested. And also, I, we should have told you before, but this is going to contain some major spoilers. So if you haven't seen this and if you haven't watched this movie and you don't want to hear about spoilers and what's going to happen, just stop listening and go watch this movie. Um, if you have Paramount Plus and Showtime, it, it should be on there. Um, but it, it, unless you would like to buy it, it physically, which I would, I would love to find a physical copy of it. But anyway, um, the, just the water is so symbolic of Mona, Bo's mom and, and Bo lives in this world that is, which we will get to later on. That is somewhat can, in, in literal ways constructed by his mom, Mona and, he lives in an apartment that was owned by Mona. He his, his whole mindset in the frames w- within his mind are literally of Mona, his mom, who is Jacob. I'm going to use be as strength based as possible, but Mona is a piece of work. Mona is an evil, evil woman that just is does very heinous things to our. Our boy Bo. She's very manipulative. She's very like she's very she has like very low self-esteem. Like like towards the end of the film. We'll we'll explain more because there's just a, a lot to unpack with like Mona and and her character. Like you can't you can't really obviously the, the story in the beginning depicts her as like a like this how do I want to put it? She's prolific. She's, she's very, she's very prolific. Yeah, she's powerful, and you know, yes. but just an objective way, she's a very powerful woman. And like going into the the movie more, like even with the therapist and stuff, like you can tell that's like that's off in a way. Yes, and it's- that also feels like it's being constructed by the mother as well and just just back to the therapist which we will we will get to the therapist and the you know mona um just the the whole interview with the therapist it it starts off 
you know, pretty, uh, pretty basic, you know, it, it starts off, you know, he's asking about how Bo has been doing, but then he, he continually asks, he begins kind of prying at Bo about, you know, if Bo ever wished his mother was dead and Bo is like, um, of, of course not, you know, I, I wouldn't wish that, you know, but, you know, and, and w- I keep saying this, but we will get to that. We will really get to that that later on. Like but, there, yeah. there's there, there's a lot to unfold towards towards the end because it just all oh. comes full circle. Oh my, does it? But uh, when Bo is in his apartment, like when he falls asleep, there are notes just flung <laughs> underneath his door. Like, like his neighbors are telling him, like, keep the noise down, even though he's not making any noise, like, whatsoever. And, and yeah. like, ov- obviously, like, the, the person could be, like, not thinking straight and just kind of assuming that it, it is Bo's apartment that's making all the noise. But... Bo is just trying to fall asleep and he just can't fall asleep because he's too like there's the fear factor like why is this person like sending me these notes and like is this person going to break in my apartment and almost kill me and I I can't help but interpret that as blame of Bo like I, I think it's it goes back to Mona of course you know this feeling of always being to blame and even though Bo is not even playing music, his mind, it, it, these letters, I think, are very symbolic of what's going on in Bo's mind, where he's not able to fall asleep. He's, you know, continually worried about, you know, the, these notes that are getting passed to him. And, you know, as this as you can hear in the the apartment below or around him, you know, this couple is arguing and yelling loudly and just so much noise coming from the streets. And it's just so uneasy you get like such a claustrophobic feel in this movie and if you don't like that i you know do not watch this movie but it is so claustrophobic and to to preface this for everyone obviously this is not a child friendly movie it is rated r like there's nothing child friendly about this movie i mean there are some aspects where i guess anyone can really watch it but on a majority whole, like this isn't a child's movie. It's no Jacob. It's a it's a nice family movie. It's a f- nice family movie that everybody can sit around and just watch this movie. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know what your definition of a family movie is, but it's definitely not that towards me. <laughs> <laughs> Cannibal Holocaust is a nice family movie as well. That's a topic for another day. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it's. It's about family, but not for family. So yeah, just it just I like that that cautionary, that little cautionary note. Uh, yeah, so yeah, definitely this isn't a first date movie. This isn't a for, uh, a family movie night movie. This is a movie that you can. <laughs> if you take your first date to this movie, there's obviously going to be a problem there. <laughs> there's going to be a lot of miscommunication and wondering why like your date's going to be wondering why did you take me to this movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah especially towards a, a certain part of the movie which we both know about and we will definitely discuss more in detail about it oh yes we will but uh 
going on with the movie, once Bo awakens the next day, obviously he's he's worried about his medication and he needs the water. The water. The theme of water. Yeah, the theme of water. So Bo is re- is really getting anxious about his meds. So he races downstairs and obviously he has to go outside at some point because he doesn't have any working water in his in his apartment building. So he has to go across the street into this little kiosk and go get the water. But as he's looking downstairs by the end on the entrance of the apartment building, he sees like all these just weird and cracked out people like almost it's very chaotic outside he's afraid to go outside but he knows he has to do it otherwise he'll he'll die if he doesn't consume water with the pills that he's given so he has to race out the door avoiding every single obstacle in his path and then he reaches at the other side and literally hauls ass towards the water and drinks it whole well, and again, like it, it goes back to, I think the theme of Mona and how it's connected to water, and how Bo is almost denied water at this point. Like, well, he's because let, let's preface before what happened prior to this, prior to him taking the medication with him oversleeping that morning and missing his flight to go see his mother and this of course comes at great emotional toll for his mother um who very much does wishes he would come and she just kind of when he calls and explains what had happened which what happens is he leaves as he's leaving with his luggage he runs back into his apartment real quick and comes back out, and both his keys and his luggage are gone, stolen. And um, he calls his mom and is like, I can't come. Like, I, I am going to miss my flight. And he explains what happens. And Mona, of course, begins to use these, you know, very much um, her, her, her power to, you know, really guilt trip Bo she's basically like gaslighting him at this point like exactly yes you know if, if i'm such a pain you know if I, I forget exactly how she does it but it, it's very much in a, a emotionally and verbally abusive way where you know it, it, he's she's guilt tripping poor Bo. and i mean at this point once they end the phone call i mean Bo is obviously so guilt-driven, and oh, we, I don't know if you mentioned it, but as Bo was getting the water, he put a phone book in the doorway, that way no one else from the outside could get into his apartment building and mess with his stuff. Well, <laughs> the, the phone book was moved, so every single person on the street enters the apartment building, and you can... Bo looks up at his apartment building and he's the only light like lit up and every single person enters in his apartment and obviously 
Bo climbs the construction scaffolding that's on the side, and he sees like what's going on is in his apartment building, and it's just pure chaos. And before he talks to his mom, then like the morning that he wakes up on outside, uh, like you can see all the destruction that everyone tried to to do. And after that, he got off the phone with the mom. He goes back to his computer, which has a shoe embedded in the screen. <laughs> and, and he's trying to order another plane ticket, but he can't. There are just, there, there are moments that are just so deadpan in this movie that are just, just the shoe. Well, well that and he couldn't get the plane ticket because all of his credit cards were declined. Yeah. And, that, and that's another thing, like he tried to get water and he tried paying with a credit card, but it was declined and he had to pay with cash, but he bolted out of there and he couldn't pay for the water. And at this point, I mean, he might as well just steal the water, but, and, and we go back to the water, like after he's done with his guilt trip and everything, trying to order another plane ticket. And this is another interesting turn in the movie. And this is where we started to, to go into another act. He lays in the bathtub trying to soak in his feelings and everything and trying to like ease his mind. But you see dripping from the ceiling and you see one of the 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 the, the, the crazy people from outside. <laughs> this guy just <laughs> hanging from the ceiling. He's not hanging from the ceiling, but he's like holding him positioned himself on the ceiling, sweating so much like trying to keep his composure and trying to like stay on top of the ceiling. But at, at, at that point, I mean, he falls and he wrestles with Bo while he's butt naked in the bathtub. And Bo at that point, he runs out of his apartment building still butt naked. And he goes toe to toe with the alleged killer that was on the news towards the beginning of the film and who is this killer who who is this this criminal jacob i believe i believe he is the the birthday killer <laughs> something like that the naked man that runs around killing people now called the, called the birthday killer yeah yeah after after he was done stabbing a person he sees bo who is also butt naked and He's trying to run away from him, and there's a police officer who mistakens. Bo has this like statue that he, that he was given to him by his mother, and the cop who sees Bo butt naked thinks that he's obviously one of the crazy people, and confuses that as a weapon. And he he's like telling him that like put the weapon down, put your hands up, or whatever, and. I forget what happens to the cop, but like Bo gets stabbed by the birthday killer. Or does that happen before he, he gets just at gunpoint? Just real quick, Jacob. I think we're we're glossing over a really important plot point. So prior to Bo getting in that dirty bathtub, and I I don't know what it is about a dirty bathtub scene, but that is just 
something so aesthetic to me. I don't know why, but it is just something that is just, I don't know what it is, but all, all the best movies have a dirty bathtub scene in it. Anyway, so Bo um, tries to call his mom after his apartment is broken into, and he, and this is, this is a, one of the dark moments of this movie, which I think actually does happen. Like, I think this, this part is the objective truth. So he calls his mom, and a random UPS man picks up his mom's phone and begins, like, asking Bo, like, who he is and, you know, how he didn't have anything to do with this. And Bo, of course, is, you know, very confused and very scared. And here, um, spoiler alert, Bo's mom is killed. She is ac- killed accidentally by a falling chandelier. And basically decapitates her. And, yeah, it, it decapitates her. So, and, you know, they have a lengthy conversation where, you know, they're trying to identify this. And it's it's harrowing to watch because it's like, oh, my gosh, like, imagine that actually happening. You know, it, you see Bo's, you really feel for Bo's. It's definitely one of the moments, one of the many moments where you feel for Bo and, you know, him losing his mother um, to this tragic accident, you know, especially in light of him trying to please her and not being able to see her. And just that overarching theme of guilt in this movie really comes out in this scene. But so him and the, the UPS man who is later played, you know, as a cameo role by Mr. Bill Hader. That's right. (laughs) um, So they're like talking and he's like, please, you know, try, try to call, call your mom and call her. And, you know, maybe you have the wrong number. And he calls back and here it's the UPS man. And the UPS man is just like, I'm so sorry. And, you know, he's trying to, you know, identify this, this lady. So this is all happening before this bathtub scene. Um, So I think, you know, symbolically again you know Bo's Bo is trying to talk to her and he forgets that he's running his bath water now keep in mind that a few moments prior Bo's water was not working in this apartment and this was right after he called his mom to tell her that he was not coming so again this is the connection between Mona whose last name is Wasserman which is German Wasser is German for water. And so that's another little Easter egg there. But so it's another parallel between water and Mona and how this water is denied to him, you know, through this transactional love. Um, and, and so this overflowing of water is, I, I think it, it, it's definitely representing that, you know, Bo is now overwhelmed with this emotion and, you know, overwhelmed with, with this grief and this guilt of not having his mother. So his water is overpouring. So he, you know, kind of, he goes in the bathtub and that leads to, of course, the bathtub scene. Um, so yeah, I don't think we forgot anything, but Jacob, I I think, I don't think we forgot anything. I don't think so either. I mean, I'm glad you did pinpoint that that plot scene that I, I did forget about but uh I think that's basically about it from there but 
after Bo, let, let fast forwarding a little bit. Once he's back on the street and he's he he gets stabbed by the birthday killer. Yes. And as Bo is running away from him, he gets hit by the van that our new character Grace is driving, and Bo is knocked out at that point, and he wakes up in this bed that's just like that's not his bed he's wondering where he's at and in comes grace and our other character in in this act roger who's played by nathan lane and grace is played by amy ryan and they start to explain to him like you've been stabbed where we're roger is a surgeon and he's trained in the medical field and he's been tending to your wounds. And there's also this ankle monitor that's on his leg that they've flat out said, like, this is just to track your health. Like there's nothing else to it. Even though that ankle monitors are usually known to track someone's whereabouts and their proximity and, everything but Bo is like really if like like the fear factor is is back up again and he remembers like the conversation that he had on the phone with the UPS man about his mother dying and he's crying at that point he's just sobbing like please let this be a dream is this a dream please let this be a dream and Grace basically tells him like it has to like this has to be a dream. I'm pretty sure that your mom is fine right now. And we start to get more acquainted with like Roger and Grace's household. Like the bed that Bo is sleeping right now and the room that they're in belongs to their daughter, which is named Tony. And we don't really know much of the actress about Tony. She's a, she's a newcoming actress, or she's been in some little stuff, and this is her more prominent role now. Tony is an interesting character, let me tell you. And this movie, of course, as you know, has a lot of interesting characters. Like, that's another good t- like thing about this movie. Like, all the characters have their own time to shine. I mean, it's all about Bo. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it is Bo is afraid, but all the side characters are just memorable in their own ways. Uh, and uh, another character that I, one of my favorite characters from this movie is Jeeves. Oh, the- Je- Jeeves is a tank. <laughs> Jeeves is, uh, so. Jeeves is definitely an interesting character because Jeeves, I think, is he's almost like I want to say like a Frankenstein like character where he's like kind of so a little backstory of Jeeves and how he fits into this family. So um, Grace and uh, Nathan Lane's character, they lost their son during in uh, he was a uh, he was he was in the military um and after he he was in this uh battalion and so one of his um 
basically buddies in the military, uh, in his battalion, goes, you know, has is triggered by something and basically kills all everybody, including the son. So and this the person that kills them is Jeeves. So Jeeves just somehow lives with them now. Um, and I don't know if Nathan Lane like was conducting experiments on this man. And, you know, he's definitely, you know, very Frankenstein-esque where he is just kind of running into stuff and he he's very monster-like almost. So like I, he, he doesn't say any words. Like he, he mostly moans just like Frankenstein's monster would do. Like there, there's not a lot of thought like towards his brain and the like he's just kind of a I don't want to say broken character, but he's just a disheveled man turned into this 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 human being. Exactly, yeah. And now, an important I I heard an in a theory about this section of the movie that I think is interesting, but I I do think it reduces a lot of it. But it, it's interesting to play with that. Okay, so prior to coming here. Bo was stabbed by this man, okay? And he was, you know, hit by this car, the, the Grace in the big van. So this is possibly a hospital. This house is possibly a hospital, but is being in, in Bo's psyche, hit a house that Grace and Nathan Lane's character, what's his character's name? Roger. Roger are taking care of him. So, you know, it may actually be a hospital, it, but in Bo's mind, it is a home where he is staying in somebody else's room and that possibly Jeeves is the one of the security guards. And, and another correlation with Roger and Grace, it could have been cons- like in the mother's I don't want to go too far, but there's there's some real connection between Roger and Grace, and it kind of feels like this was purposely done, like with Bo being hit by the van and them being in their care. Oh, yes. We will get to that. We will get to that. But going along more of the story, as Bo is starting to walk out outside, and we see Jeeves having a kind of a breakdown and Roger and Grace are trying to reel him in. But while that's happening in the background, Bo calls the, the attorney for his mother. And the, the attorney's name is Dr. Cohen, who is played by Richard Kind, who voiced... Uh, the side grasshopper or cricket or whichever you want to call it in A Bug's Life. And he also played uh, the imaginary character in Inside Out. Mm-hmm. And to go forward with it, the attorney's like, listen, you have to come to your mother's funeral. Like, it's, all, it's about to happen like 
today. Like you have to be here ASAP and you have to say something. Otherwise it'll be too late at this point. And he starts like berating him, like how he's so selfish. Like you have to be here and like say something nice. Otherwise this will haunt you for the rest of your life. This man is an extension of Mona. This man is an extension of Mona and, and, he is an asset to her in guilt tripping Bo. You know, when Bo is even at his weakest moment where he is literally, you know, in a hospital bed after being hit and stabbed, uh, he he is guilt tripped by his mom's lawyer to hurry up and come here because the funeral, everybody is waiting on Bo. Everybody is waiting on him, and it's going to haunt him if he doesn't show up. So, yeah, that's a nice, you know, a nice little message there while you're recovering after being hit by a, a truck and being stabbed by a naked man. And after he gets off the phone with the attorney, he he goes to Roger and Grace, and he's like, listen, I have to I have to get out of here. I have to be home like right now. And both of them are like trying to put it off. And Roger's like, why don't we go tomorrow? And <laughs> Bo really doesn't really. He He's like. He's he shows a lot of like, I don't want to do this. Like we need to go now. And he's feeling a lot of sadness like towards missing out on his mother's funeral and like there's nothing that he can really do about it like he kind of accepts it like really quick like okay well i guess tomorrow we'll we'll do in a way and i mean at this point we Bo is delayed he can't go home to his mother's funeral on time and it Bo is just like kind of destroyed it in his own way especially like towards his self-esteem and his self-confidence and like the anxiety factor is is also rising again yeah and so as they kind of play around um there's a lot of feelings of that this family is trying to take Bo in as the son Yeah, the dead son. So they're trying to almost like adopt him or not even adopt him, but make him assume this identity of their dead son. Um, So and here's where we kind of have Tony come in, because Tony, again, is an interesting character. So Tony begins treating like at first she is she's never happy with Bo. She's always frustrated with him, always so annoyed with him for, like, taking over her room, understandably so. Um, But she begins, like, trying to make Bo, like, a brother figure, um, similar to her parents, where she tries to get him to smoke weed with her and Bo in his, you know, his fear-based head won't smoke weed and you know won't do all this stuff and won't succumb to peer pressure and he uh he 
he you know still is of course very distant from tony and tony is in a strange way trying to connect with him in that weird way but still through extreme anger so one day um tony like tries to force him and her to like commit suicide together uh and drink paint together well, uh, I, before you go any further like there's some plot points before then too. So Bo goes on Tony's laptop and he looks more into the, the death details about his mother. Oh yes. Yes. I forgot. Yes. And he sees a woman who he hasn't seen in a very long time. And he's almost like baffled at that point and he couldn't really contain himself and he pukes right onto the laptop. And, and that's the point where Tony is really upset and he, she barges in and Bo's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Like Bo apologizes so much in this movie and it shows like how broken he is and what, what his mother has really done to him. And at that and and that's the point where Tony basically takes them in the the car that they have with Tony's friend and they smoke weed but during Bo's kind of weed trip <laughs> it flashes back to young Bo on the cruise ship with yes. his mother and Bo is just reading his book and he sees upon a, a cute girl and well Bo sees a dead body in the cruise ship pool and the girl whose name is Elaine Elaine and Bo look at the dead body and they start to get to know each other and they start to like get more acquainted and start to like each other more. And they meet at night onto the cruise ship and Bo has his first kiss on the cruise ship where he kisses Elaine and they start to kiss more. And Elaine's mother kind of reeled her back in. And as Bo and Bo's mother were sleeping. Elaine barges in and basically says they're going to they're going to take me away. You have to come with me or I will wait for you in a sense. And Bo wakes up. He's laying on the couch. But there's also the the factor that Roger they were planning on going that day and Roger got delayed by a very important surgery. So they had to postpone it for another day. And Bo was really upset about that. And Bo is on the couch and Grace kind of, I don't know why she does this in a sense like I don't know she depicts like 
change a certain channel on the TV and you can see like this is this really doesn't really happen in all reality but Bo changes the station on the on the TV or the channel and it's the camera that's looking upon Bo and he uses the TV remote to kind of fast forward into the future which we see some segments of what happens future future in like in the movie and and now we come to the point where Tony and Bo are kind of like in a like a little quote unquote like suicide pack <laughs> if you want to call it that there's just so much to this movie that <laughs> I am like I just watched this movie a few days ago and I'm already forgetting because not that it's a forgettable movie, but there's just so much. There's so much to unpack from a three hour movie. Well and jumping back because the, the crew scene is really, really interesting because this is the first scene where we start to see the relationship between Bo and his mother. And his mother in the most Freudian sense is like just trying almost like trying to seduce her son to try to be her one and only and from you know from this early age and i think we're kind of in this this point that Bo's father who is kind of a mysterious figure that we will get to oh yes we will um he Bo is told by his mother in bed one night as he is being put to bed that his father died mid-orgasm while 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 conceiving yes conceiving Bo um, died while during this happening and he died of a heart murmur. So she is telling this young Bo this very much traumatic and inappropriate story. <laughs> like, like, listen, Bo, I'm sorry, but your your dad died like as he was finishing, and, and you're and you're being conceived. And I just love that that the that nightlight on her face, on Mona's face during that scene, that red hue. Like, it's just it's so intense. It's such an intense like just just really intense moment of this movie but she so she's telling him this and it's almost like you know it's another element a layer of fear that she's putting into him that you have to be my one and only person you have to be my one and only and you have to be you have to be sexually how do i say this i i can't form the words you have to be sexually exclusive only to me. You you have to. You kind of have to like limit yourself on sexual activities. Otherwise, you'll end up like your father. And this is where Elaine really comes into this because Elaine is Bo's first. As Bo is going through, as you know, a, a boy going through puberty, this is Bo's first love interest, and um. You know, Grace, not Grace, um, Elaine being, you know, the similar age shows a lot of interest in Bo. And they have a deep 
connection. And their mothers are both what stand in the way because Elaine's mom ends up taking her away. And uh, uh, Bo's mom is so disturbed by this relationship that he has with this girl that, you know, she, her heart is broken and she just lays in bed and cries over this because he was unfaithful to her. And I don't know if this is the point where Bo's anxiety or fear and the fear factor like emerge because we haven't really seen much of young Bo before then like on the on the cruise ship before even meeting Elaine like he's more calm and collective in a sense he's not really not that anxious but once he starts to meet Elaine and everything he starts to like remember what his mother said to him about what happened to his father and he really starts to get anxious like okay I really shouldn't be doing this otherwise I'll end up like my father like my mother told me exactly yeah and that that's just Bo just has this constant fear like I can't be intimate with another person otherwise I'll risk my own life like my father did. And mommy will get mad. And and my mother will get mad because I made a somewhat promise that I will be her one and only boy. Exactly, yes. So we have this and 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 you know, keep in mind that this cruise ship of course is surrounded by water. So, you know, and the only t- other time that we really see Mona with Bo is during the clean bathtub scene in Mona's house when he is a boy, when he is defiant, where he sees what I originally interpreted this scene as Bo's brother, but I actually think that this is this is a this is this was a part of Bo's braver side in a sense. Yes, exactly, exactly, Jacob. Like Bo's after, defiant side that's being chastised to the attic, and and when we when we first saw the movie, like I honestly thought like there like that was his twin or something. Yes, exactly. And, and even watching this, I thought it was his twin, but then I was like, huh. But going along more with the film as Tony Tony starts to kind of frame Bo like something's going to happen to her like she knows like I have to do this and I have to get this man out of my home and this is basically the only way to do it because my parents are basically brainwashed at this point because Bo is starting to take the role of my brother so she paints on on the wall on the brother's room Bo's name yes and she's like you drink this paint with me or otherwise you're a coward and Tony really starts to drink the paint and the paint is starting to get into into her like stomach and her bloodstream and all that and she starts to choke and at that point 
Tony dies and Bo is all afraid and he he's like trying to <laughs> is all afraid. Yeah, but Bo Bo is afraid again and tries to I don't want to say resusc- resuscitate her, but she's trying to like he's trying to figure out like what exactly has happened during this moment and he has paint all over his hands and Grace walks in and she's ba- she's crying over her now dead daughter and both of her children are now dead. Yes. And she kind of snaps at that point or like comes back into reality like this man who's done this isn't my new son. It's it's a demon who's now killed my daughter. And she's all angry now and she's like hitting Bo and everything and she grabs this the the memorial sword of <laughs> of her son and at that point Bo basically sprints out the screen door like it, it was basically out the screen door and glass shatters everywhere and he runs into the woods and like doesn't look back and he's just too afraid at that point to look back and you hear Grace like her last words in the movie are basically like Jeeves you find him and you tear him apart <laughs> and there goes Jeeves and there goes Jeeves in his tactical de- gear and his and his vest like sprinting in the woods like trying to track him down from the ankle monitor that's on Bo still mm-hmm. that was claimed was for his health and for his own good and and, and at that point Bo is still running and he gets knocked out by one of the tree branches and enter part 3 of this movie Part part three, which is the very, in my opinion, it's probably the most misconstrued part of the movie. Put it this way. If you have been watching this movie and thought it was weird so far, just wait. Oh, yeah. There, 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 there's a lot to, there's a lot more to unpack. So, yeah. And Bo wakes up and he is accompanied by this new woman named Penelope and she's she's a, a pregnant hippie in the woods and Penelope takes her takes Bo back to her like hippie village that's in the woods and they're about to perform a play that they they have done and As they were sitting in the in the audience, Bo gives Penelope the the little statue figurine that Bo's mom gave to her all this time. Yes. And this is where, as we said before, this is where the movie gets really interesting because this section with this traveling theater, in the woods is really the first time that we see Bo being the writer of his own life and actually really stepping up and being 
involved in his life rather than just letting his mom be involved. Now, this during this scene, we see this extremely surreal and strange and elaborate story of a man who lost his who lost his parents and is grieving at the graves of his parents when he is visited by an angel and it basically Bo becomes so he identifies so much with this story that it becomes in his head he relates to this story so much that it becomes Bo's story where he is going on this journey to find a family as he comes along in a village. And we, re- as I said, we really see Bo being the writer of his own life and really creating his own life where he is, where he marries a woman in this village that he goes to and has three sons. But however, this story takes a twist where a giant catastrophe, a flood comes and his family gets separated. And this uh, it becomes very intense where Bo is continually aging and still trying to find his family who has been who has been lost for a majority of his life. And he comes to find his three sons. And they have this beautiful reunion of sorts where Bo is feels this welcoming from someone from from we actually see Bo being welcomed by somebody in this movie, uh, similar to the way that um, Amy Craig's character did um, Renee. You know, we, we really see that um, come out in this scene where he is connected to his sons. And this, I believe, is part of you know his his imagination you know part of a hallucination in part um but it's somewhat of a tricky scene and you know heart-wrenching scene to watch where he is connected to his family again and then um you know he during this extremely vulnerable part this angel tells him that he is so lost in his own fear and his own selfishness that he was unable to see the acceptance and love that was surrounding him. He was so caught up in Mona's fears for him that he was unable to see what was surrounding him. And during the whole play that, that Bo was kind of focusing himself as the main character that's being portrayed in the play. Now, Bo is titled like Hero Bo, and Hero Bo in this play is basically a correlation like what his life could have been if his mother wasn't around. Yes. And it and it if his mother wasn't around, he could have had more of an opportunity to find love and have children and kind of have a more established life other than being anchored down by what his mother thinks and like how his mother treats him. Yes, exactly. And after the play is done, we get encountered by this person who claims to have known or have worked with Mona before and have, and has known Bo's father before 
he passed away. And this man is kind of being depicted as Bo's actual father. Uh Uh-huh. And at that point, it was too late where Bo couldn't get, like, he couldn't really question everything or get the right answers because Jeeves arrives and starts shooting up the hippie. uh, (laughs) Well, he, he actually throws a knife at the person on stage. And then he starts shooting up the, the hippie village. But as he, Bo is trying to get the answers on if this person actually is his father, the guy just blows up from a grenade. And in comes Jeeves. And, and here, here comes Jeeves, all tactical, and he's all gun ho. Like his one mission directive is just to tear him apart. <laughs> And Bo runs away as Jeeves is shooting at him. And Jeeves trips or he he gets confronted by one of the hippies and he falls and Jeeves accidentally shoots himself in the shoulder or the heart. I, I don't know which one it is, but Jeeves is out now and Bo gets... Bo gets knocked out by the electrocution in the the the, mo- the ankle monitor that, that he has. And now he wakes up again. He gets out of the, of the woods and he he hitchhikes and now enters the 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 conclusion part of the story where Bo comes back home into the town called Wazerton, which is in tribute of Wazerman, which is the last name of Mona and Bo. And Bo is too late for the funeral as he arrives at the home. Uh, he looks at the statue of a mom and a little boy, which depicts Bo and whenever he was younger with his mom. And he sees all the the catering crew and all the like the crew that was there during the funeral viewing and like after the funeral and he goes inside and he sees the casket of his mother without a head and, it, <laughs> and it's an open casket yes it's an open casket with a headless corpse yes inside. and bo changes his clothes into something more cleaner and he looks a little bit more established and he just kind of mopes around in, in the home and kind of thinks about everything as he's staring at the open casket and here enters Elaine Mm -hmm. and she is, she thought that the funeral was at 8 PM instead of 8 AM and Bo doesn't say a word at first. Elaine exits the house and Bo's like, it's me, Bo. And Elaine's like realizes like this is the boy that he's met before on the cruise ship. And they start to have feelings for one for one another again. Okay. So I'm gonna stop you right there. Because 
prior to this, Bo, it, the, before we get to the whole Elaine thing, Bo comes into this very beautiful house that is owned by Mona Wasserman. And from this, we know that Mona has is, is very influential and very powerful. But she's also very rich as well. So she is the company that that does, that manufactures all these things that are branded as safe. Everything is perfectly safe. And you know how we know it's perfectly safe? Not only because it says it's perfectly safe, but, but it has the MW logo on it. And here's where the little Easter egg comes in. At the way beginning of the film, as uh, right after the title of Bo is Afraid, or maybe before, we see uh, the Mona Wasserman label. Yes, we see that we see the MW. And from this, we see that this vision is all orchestrated by Mona. It is all Mona's. Every, everything for everything from the start. And Every, yes. And before we go into the bigger details, we have. We have Elaine who wants to have sex with Bo. Because not only because of, you know, she I think she's slightly interested, but she wants some of Mona's she wants some of you know Mona's goods because Mona is loaded. Yes, because because Bo, as, Bo clearly before was very, very um not well off. Like not very well off. He lives in a really bad part of town in a Okay, interesting point, but he lived in an apartment that was also an M.W. Mona Wasserman label labeled apartment complex that was not so much perfectly safe, that was extremely dangerous. So we have this, and but we see that Bo is coming into this fortune of not only but of losing his mother, but taking on all this material possession that Mona had. So this is, I think, why Elaine kind of wiggles her way back in a little bit, but also to rekindle those feelings that they had that were really unfinished from before. And before that Elaine and Bo have sex, like Elaine starts to go through Mona's stuff. Like she starts to use her perfume. She starts to kind of go through her clothes in a sense and Bo is in the bathroom because he's changing into something more comfortable as Elaine instructed him to do and Bo just looks in the mirror with all this doubt and all this fear like this is the this is the time where he's about to die because of what his mother told him the heart murmur he is yeah. going is so has such death anxiety that he is going to he feels that he is going to die when he has sex with Elaine and at and Elaine and Bo are now on the bed and Bo is on his back as as Elaine is on top can I say that this is probably one of the longest sex scenes I have ever watched in my life like this it with Mariah Carey playing in the background and I, I heard what, the interview I watched with Ari Aster was like, she, they went through apparently 300 songs and they were like, nothing compares to this Mariah Carey song. They went through 300 plus songs. And I guess like he, 
wrote so, Mar- so, so they're like, this is the perfect song for this sex scene. He wrote to Mariah Carey and was like, hey, like, I really like it. I think this song would be appropriate it, during this sex scene. And apparently, like, her... Uh, like representative or secretary like wrote back and said that, you know, th- that they would be able to use it, but th- that Mariah Carey was unavailable to see this or something. And, you know, it came at a great price. I forget exactly how they acquired the rights to it, but so they, th- apparently like after the movie came out, Mariah Carey saw this and like, she was very proud of how the, 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 the scene turned out. But so it, it's Mariah Carey approved, so that's good to know. Yeah, at least this long sex scene was Mariah Carey approved, which is very good on the movie's standpoint. But but as as uh, as they reach the climax, Bo is like. He, he like starts to shout like no 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 because he knows what's about to happen but at that point Bo finishes and right. he arrives he arrives and nothing happens to him like he's all fine he's all safe he doesn't die he, he is he is okay and at this moment he feels the I think the only the first time in and we're at like two and a half hours in. Bo is actually happy. We see Bo with become ecstatic and actually satisfied with what is happening. But then, then it, it comes crashing down as we see Elaine dead right on top of him. So Elaine, mid orgasm, much like Bo's dad, dies, and she is rigor mortis and stiff. And she just falls into Bo's horror. It's Bo does not know what to do. And here's here we go. We think the audience thinks up to this moment that Mona Wasserman was killed. Nope. And out Mona Wasserman for, as she, after she watches her son have sex with Elaine. And so. <laughs> This scene is really excruciating to watch because it's um, Mona confronts Bo for this, for coming all this way and missing her funeral that she orchestrated just to see, just to set him up and to see, to watch him fail. Not to watch him fail, but to watch, to watch him go into her trap. At, at this point, Mona is just berating and insulting Bo in every way. Like Bo never really cared about Mona and never really accepted her as her mother. Just like when he was a baby, like he he refused to latch on. He refused to like breastfeed and everything. And Bo is just disheveled. Like, how is this possible? Like, how are you alive? And Mona starts to reveal her plan like that wasn't my body it was my maid and I, I I gave the maid's family a whole bunch of money where she where the maid couldn't refuse at that point and she was all up for the for the plan and it was the maid that died from the from the chandelier and not Mona and 
we start to have all these details like so I, I the theories that I have were with Grace and Roger like Roger could have been working as a in in medicine for Mona and along with with Grace and that whole plan was orchestrated to the point where he was pushed out of that home and he's back on track with the mother and the mother's plan. And, and the mom is just disheveled. Like here you are all this time and you're just, she doesn't feel any love for Bo at this point anymore. It's just, hatred in a way like Bo never accepted Mona as her mother and Mona's mother felt the same way about Mona because Mona's mother never acknowledged Mona Mona as her child and kind of Mona felt like this with Bo in a sense like it, it was relatable towards her because she had a past experience with her own mother can I just say that I love the the painting of her mother? It's the most unpleasant painting, like just the most stern and most just just disturbing painting of this sharp and intense looking woman. It, it's like the Mona Lisa, but it it's just very it it's just very stern, very disheveled, very serious, very like pissed in a way. Yeah. So, yeah, so so we have this and, you know, dur- during this whole string of scenes, it, it's basically Bo being confronted with all these things that he had done wrong throughout his life. And in comes Bo's therapist, who has been working for Mona, who has been paid by Mona and in the just speaking from own personal experience, this is a huge violation. And it, 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 it shows that Mona will do nothing, do everything in her power to make sure that she has everything on Bo to hold against him. And so the therapist comes in and basically plays these recordings of Bo talking about how, growing up was terrible for him and all the things that his mother had done wrong. And I mean, yeah, that it is a big violation because it's that patient and therapist like contract, like confidentiality. It's the confidentiality. Like I will not say anything outside this door is just the two of us. And the therapist has just been with it all along. And Bo is just like betrayed at this point. Like he doesn't know like who to trust because obviously the one man that he trusted betrayed him after everything that he's told him. And Bo is just at this point, it's the breaking point of, like, his fear. Like, he doesn't know what to believe in anymore, and 
he can't really say anything because that brave factor that was once a part of him is gone now. Exactly. Yeah, the the one man that he trusted, the one person that he trusted. And we have to think about how many people Bo has lost in this movie. Like he has lost Elaine, he has lost um he has lost uh his therapist, he has lost pretty much everybody who he feels that he could trust. And now his mother is using everything that she can against him. And the mom like starts to reflect back and the mom kind of reveals like, do you want to know why you keep thinking of that tub and the attic? Like the attic was just a big part of the attic. Bo kept on thinking was like a dream, but in all reality, it was just a forgotten memory. So for the next 30 minutes, we're just going to be talking about the attic scene. (laughs) This has to be the most, in our opinion, it's the most, this is, this is the moment where we looked at each other in the car when we were leaving and we're like, what was this? (laughs) This is something, this is something we've never seen before. This is something that we spoke highly about and it's still on our minds to this day so mona says you want to see your father let's go see your father so she we get this image of the attic again and mona forces Bo up in the attic and this attic is a dark and mysterious place to say the least so we see Bo with a flashlight as he's shimmering it around to see his surroundings, and he comes across Bo. He comes across a brave Bo who has been put there, who has been stuck there, imprisoned in the attic. Star- for- he, he was starved. Like he, He's very bony. He's like very hairy at the point where he... His hygiene is is bad. Like, he couldn't take care of himself because he was just trapped in that attic. This is the bow from the bathtub scene that we're seeing from the bathtub, from Bo's perspective. This is what happens to brave Bo when he tries to stand up to his mother. He is placed in the attic. And after this, we pan over to Bo's daddy. Which is depicted as a giant penis monster you heard it folks a giant penis monster we we wish that we were lying about this but we're not and i'm kind of glad we're not lying because i have never seen in a film a giant penis monster if you go if if you google it right now we'll, we'll give you time to google it because we ourselves have googled it just remembering this it is literally a penis with two testicles up in the attic and spider legs with spider legs. Yes. With, with spider legs, monster legs. Yes. Monster legs. And it has a mouth and eyes and it, it, it talks. Bo, Bo's dad talks. It's very, but, it's very graphic. 
it is very graphic, yes. But this, the penis monster is definitely an interesting part of this movie because it shows that Bo's dad was merely an instrument, merely a tool to give Mona a child. And so, and it, it was depicted by Mona that Bo's dad was this giant dick. Like, he was... It was very negative towards Mona's eyes. Like, this is the way that Mona has seen Bo's dad. And, yes, there, there, there it is. We have Bo's dad. So, Bo's dad was merely an instrument, a tool to give Mona a child, which was Bo. And since then, Bo's father was placed in the attic. So, in we have... Jeeves again just that comes through this attic window he comes in like the terminator starts trying to kill uh this giant penis monster Bo's dad and this this giant penis monster just just wrecks Jeeves for the it, it, it impales him with one of his spider legs right in the head and Bo is um, understandably very disturbed by this and falls down the attic stairs and uh, tries to it, it, horrified runs down and is confronted by his mother again and and Bo's mom's like now, now you know why I've kept this a secret like now you know why I couldn't show you this before because it's literally a giant penis in in the attic and and she starts berating him more as Bo is still freaking out from what he's seen in the attic and as she concludes like telling him her whole speech like on how He's so selfish, like he hasn't checked up on her or whatever. And towards the end, like Mona states, like she has no love for Bo anymore. And she just hates his own, her own son. And Bo is so angered and confused at that point. And he starts to choke his mother. But then he lets go and. He's like, "Oh my god, mommy, I'm so sorry. I've ne- I, I don't I've never meant to hurt you on purpose." But at that point, Mona starts to fall backwards and falls face first into a glass case in shock. In shock. Her son just strangled her. And Mona's just lying there dead. This is the point where Bo has actually killed his own mother. Both metaphorically and physically has killed his mother. And Bo is so afraid once again at that, at this point. <laughs> and he just runs away from home and finds a boat near a large body of water. And he starts it and he starts to just go in the lake or river or whatever this is and here comes the final scene towards this now, movie 
final scene is very interesting, and this is something that I still really struggle to understand and grasp. So we have Bo on the water, and he's kind of he goes into a giant cave, rock cave, and it's very symbolic of a womb. So he's going back into a womb um, where kind of we started off this movie. And we don't know where he's going, so Bo just kind of slips into this cave, and all of a sudden his boat starts to stutter. And it stops, and it, it begins to stall. And all of a sudden, flashing lights come on. And Bo is caught in the middle of an arena with everybody watching, including Mona Wasserman, her lawyer, and everybody else that we have seen in this film. It's a it's a giant trial against Bo and all of his actions against his mother and how he's just how he's just a big mean person. Failure. He he should be and it no matter what he says and or what his defense deter- attorney has to say he is silenced his defense attorney is killed uh during the trial and um we have richard kind come up again standing next to mona and and they are belittling Bo and making him bringing to him all the crimes and bringing justice to the situation of all the times that he has traumatized his mother like for one instance, there's a point where he was a teenager and he brought his friends into his own home and his friends and Bo were going through Mona's undergarments and playing with them and there were we fast forward in scenes in the movie where the tattooed man who was chasing Bo was depicted as a, a homeless person trying to ask for for money and Bo basically locks him in as Bo is entering back in the, the building or the apartment po- complex and how rude and inconsiderate that he was and this whole court is just being proven that Bo is a terrible person. It is Bo's final judgment. It is Bo's final judgment of all Bo's crimes that he has committed. And everything immoral and selfish that Bo has done. Especially that of which was pointed at his mother, Mona. So, during this scene, we, uh, we get to the point where we start wrapping things up. And, um, yeah, do you want to explain what happens, Jacob? So, Bo is guilty, and there was no chance of retribution or innocence towards his case. He was always proven guilty, and his boat starts to sputter even more, and Bo starts to panic, but the last part that we see of Bo is just calm, just like like how we saw him as a young kid 
he's calm, he's collective, and he accepts his own fate. And the boat caves in, thus killing Bo. And we get like 10 seconds of Bo struggling underneath this capsized boat as he struggles for air, but ultimately drowns. And there ends Bo. And the credits start to roll. And everyone from the trial in the, in the background, in the crowd, starts to leave as metaphorically the audience of the movie theater or as you're watching the movie starts to leave because there after all this journey after all this time throughout the three hours Bo is dead in the water in in the water as we mentioned before how all this comes together with liquid and water and there ends Bo is afraid the end of Bo is Afraid. Yes. So, what do we do with this, Jacob? What do we do with this? Well, after all that has been said and done, I have one note from my analysis where Ari Aster has stated, with Bo dying, it is basically Bo finishing which I do not understand <laughs> that is interesting I, I do not understand the point that he was trying to make when making this analogy with Bo dying and Bo finishing that's I, I don't understand that at all however I, I come to the conclusion where Bo has accepted his fate he's accepted all the the wrong things that he's done in, in the end and he ultimately drowns. Yeah. So we have we we have this movie that is in my opinion a masterpiece from Ari Aster. But there are so many things in this movie that could be interpreted in so many different ways and is ambiguous. Now Ari Aster talked about how during this movie shows not only guilt, but what kind of hell ambivalence is and how Bo is constantly being having feelings of ambivalence, not only towards his mother, but his life in general. So Bo is a very unique hero in this movie. Um, and Bo, we could see Bo, we could minimize this and say that Bo is hallucinating all these things that are is happening. But it, like I said before, it kind of reduces this movie and it, it, it simplifies it in a way that I don't think it should be simplified. It shows that, that, that Bo's life and Bo's visions, Bo's experiences are... Sh- should be taken into consideration as painful as they are. And it really ties into that family horror that Ari Aster is so good at making and how Bo is so broken in this, this film. 
there's just a lot to unpack when watching this movie. Obviously, you can't when you watch it the first time, you're not going to understand it, and it's okay because we, we did not understand this movie. We we pieced it some of it together on the ride home, but it was like we had to watch it again to yes. it together. And still, now that we've watched it again, we understand it a smidge better, but still not fully. We still don't fully understand this movie. And I don't think that we ever will. And I think that's kind of the point where anyone can depict this movie as something in their own image or something in their own view. And we can all kind of gain an understanding from like what this is trying to tell us. Like you don't really need a clear, concise image where it's just one specific whole image that you're thinking about in this movie where you look at Bo's afraid and a lot is happening. There's a lot of characters the runtime is long and it gives you a chance to kind of seep in everything that it kind of throws at you, especially the penis monster. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why this is a masterpiece because when you watch this for the first time, you're going to be confused, but you're also going to be amazed on like how much this is packed in and, like what analogies of life this kind of gives like you start out as a boy and you're fine but once you start to grow older like this this fear this anxiousness this curiosity etc starts to peek in as you grow older it, exactly yeah and just the anxiety that comes with getting older the anxiety that comes from detaching from our parents the anxiety that comes from uh, our lives and how we've grown up and the messages that we've received growing up now this movie is this isn't a good mother's day movie so (laughs) we are not implying all mothers are like mona no no merely a fictional character this movie is very Freudian and in a sense, you know, if you are interested in this, please go explore Sigmund Freud's works. If you're interested in this, please go, go explore Franz Kafka. Please go explore surrealism. Please go explore the absurd that these are all elements that are coming into this movie. And we as moviegoers and movie watchers and, we who who absorb media are always trying to find answers for these things and find out the meanings of songs and movies and scenes and and all these things that we consume but we we can't sit with something that comes from somebody's mind that is not incoherent but is something that is very much confusing and very much not solely narrative based but much more much more cinematic in a way where where it's not so much about what you are being what what the story says but much more about what is below that story 
And no. we don't have that many movies that are made this way. I'm sorry, Jacob, but I'm going to be showing my pretentiousness and saying that we live in a very Marvel movie world where <laughs> our movies are very much action-packed and very simplistic. But this movie is something that just shines through as something that, yes, is confusing, but it is such a gem and so unique in its own way that it just begs viewing and re-watching, as I said before, and it, it begs gratitude. It begs that I need to be grateful for this experience because it is something that is not shown always. There is no movie like Bo is Afraid. There is no movie like it. Sure, there are some that are like it, similar to it, but don't achieve that same momentum that Bo is Afraid does. I I I I I don't think I can recollect from the over 800 movies that I've ever seen that any single one of them has a penis monster in it. And just the the, the character dynamics and the relationships that are exposed in this movie are unlike anything anything else. Um it, it's it's something of such uniqueness and such absurdity that it just begs for its own it, it, to be in its own league it, it it's a very very good film and 2023 alone has produced probably one of the most it's probably a very very good year that I can't recollect in a while that has produced so many good movies and Bo Afraid is definitely one of them like Bo is, Af Bo is Afraid is at the top of my list and at this point right now everyone all the movies that we review and that we rate and that we rank will be out of a 20 with our combined scores with my score for Bo was Afraid, I simply give it a 10 out of 10. 10. It, I, 10 out of 10 as well. I do not question that. I have never doubted that. Even re-watching this movie, it's something that sticks with you. When you wake up the next morning after seeing that, you're still going to be thinking about Bo is Afraid. And the whole point of, of, of a good movie is to get something... Is the is the one get something from it, and two, like it makes you think. Like movies that make you think are generally like one of the best movies. Sure, there are some points where, like, there are movies where you think about it and it kind of causes controversy. And there was controversy surrounding Bo's Afraid. The reviews have shown it, but box office flop as well. It, it was also a box office flop, but there are hidden gems out there. Exactly. And, and Bo is afraid is one of them. And I, I believe that that strangeness attracts strangeness. So and one of my favorite directors, John Waters, of who directed one of my favorite movies, uh, Pink Flamingos. Um, and of people who know uh, Hairspray, Hairspray um, 
fans out there, uh, John Waters of Hairspray and Pink Flamingos fame said that this was the best movie of 2023. And I cannot help but agree with him. I, being from Baltimore and also loving John Waters, I completely understand why he would make this movie his favorite movie of 2023. Now, going forward with the movies that we review... We, we do have a, a tier list where if we put it with our combined scores, if we put it at an eight, 18.5 for, tw- for 20, it is automatically S tier. If it's anything from a 16.5 to an 18, it is A tier. And then if it is a 14.5 through 16, it is B tier. And then 12 through 14 is C and... 7.5 through 11.5 is D, and then you have 0 through 7, which is absolute garbage. Now, don't get us wrong, once we review some of these movies, there will be some stinkers out there. <laughs> oh, yes, we got some stinkers for everybody. But, like every other movie, we have to give it a chance, and we have to give our honest opinions about it. Yes, we do. And and we did. Uh, this is our opinion on Bo is Afraid. Please do not feel that you have to share this opinion. We welcome all opinions on this movie. If you hate this movie, if you watch it and you think it's trash, do not be afraid to tell us or share your opinion. But we love this movie here at Box Office Bears. We really enjoy this movie. There's so much to it that we could unpack and discuss as you see. Um, We have gone uh, almost two hours here talking about this movie. So almost the extent of the full movie, we have been talking about it. So there's so, so much more territory. So if you're seeing things, too, in this movie, feel free to point them out to us. Um, We would be more than happy to hear your theories of the movie and what you think. Um, So, yeah, we, we welcome that here at Box Office Bears Movie Podcast. And... If you're interested on more of our updates and, and more on what we have to say, we do have an Instagram. You can follow us at the Bears Movie Podcast. Or you can or actually the, the box office movies movie podcast. And you can follow you can send us an email over at the box office bears movie podcast at <laughs> yahoo.com. You can send us any emails that you want and we can gladly get back to you. Did you not have that ready? Jacob? I'm, I'm sorry. I did not. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that, that was a little bit on the spot. <laughs> that is okay. That is okay. But yes, please follow us at box office bears movie podcast on Instagram. Uh, we love to have new followers and new fans of our community. Our community is growing as we are just getting our start here. So we hope that we can find a fan base that will listen to two chubby beard men talk about movies that they love <laughs> and that they watch. And yeah, so I would just like to take a second to thank um, some of the some of the things that we have watched and cite some of the things that we have watched on this. Um, I watched a uh, several several uh, video analyses on Bo is Afraid on YouTube. Um, 
One is called Bo is Afraid Explained, Ending and Plot. Spoilers, this is from the Nerd Doc. Uh, then the next one that I viewed was Bo is Afraid Actually Explained, Yes, Really, by The Barking Years. And finally, um, I watched an Ari Aster opens up about the bizarre nightmare comedy Bo is Afraid with Q with Tom Power. Um, so yes, so that, that is what I watched in preparation other than the actual film. So if you want to go view those at your own, own pleasure, please feel free to do so. Watch any other analyses you would like to as well to understand this movie a little bit better. Um, but I hope that we did justice at kind of explaining this movie and sharing our love for this movie. And the analysis video that I have found and watched upon is a 49 minute video titled Bo is Afraid 2023 Explained by the Found Flicks. Now, I have also, I've watched this video, and I've also watched the movie a second time to analyze some of the details that we have discussed throughout this episode. And like we've previously mentioned, please give, please give us your thoughts on this movie because it is still in our brains to this day, even before watching it a second time. <laughs> yes. Uh, this movie will never leave my mind. And as I said a hundred times throughout the past two hours, this movie begs to be rewatched and rewatched. So I will most likely be watching this movie in some time here soon, just because it is so good. It's su such a good movie to watch through, though uncomfortable and though confusing at points. It is still such a good piece of cinema. I, I fully agree with that. So, next time, we will be talking about one of our, uh, another favorite of ours that we watched in the year 2023, Poor Things, starring, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, Willem Dafoe, and others. I nearly said Emma Rhodes. <laughs> so, that is not who started in that, but, but that was close. <laughs> uh, another... Spoiler alert, another great, great, great movie that we will love to talk about. Um, this one is, I believe, still in theaters. Um, it may be leaving theaters here soon. But, um, yeah, so we will be uh, watching that. We It's still somewhat fresh in our minds. But this, Poor Things, is much more of uh, still strange, but a little bit more down to earth um, and won't take... Uh, as much complex analysis and explaining. Uh, so yeah, we're really looking forward to that. And uh, so yeah, if you're interested in that, please stay tuned uh, in the following weeks. And you can follow us more on our Instagram at the box office bears movie podcast, or you can simply email us at the box office bears movie podcast at yahoo.com. Yes. So please, it, it, I hope you enjoyed, and we both hope you enjoyed this podcast, and we thank you for spending the past two hours with us talking about this movie. We hope that you share a love of movies too, or else you wouldn't be here. Um, so yeah, so we just thank you for finding us, and thank you for enjoying. Thank you for spending the past two hours with us. So we enjoy that. And for everyone listening towards the end of this first episode of our pilot we'd like to welcome you all and we hope to 
spread some film or even pop culture awareness to anyone who's seeking out movies or getting familiar with the the movie world or etc. Yes. So we thank you again. uh, And please remember to follow us on, on uh, Instagram. Uh, We do not have a Facebook yet, but we uh, may be having it here soon. And as as of right now, for the first episode, you can listen listen to us on Spotify. Uh, once the first episode gets posted, we we will be, uh, we'll, we will be putting ourselves out there more, even through Apple, through Stitcher, for Amazon Music, for Google Podcasts, and even more podcasting streaming sites. So stay tuned for that on our Instagram. Yes, uh, and yes, remember to listen to Always Be My Baby by Mariah Carey, too. So, yeah. Especially especially looking at that scene in the movie. <laughs> yes, we thank you all for enjoying, and please be safe, and enjoy your life, and be grateful, and come back to see us. Goodbye, everyone. Bye-bye.